And I really believe that God is calling the church to solve the problems. We are the light and we are the salt. And if this is Acts 29, Pretoria, then this is the theme that God's going to use in the city to start a move. And he's not disqualifying anyone. Because Isaiah 60, the prophetic word that the Lord gave me, said the least of you will become a mighty clan. The least of you. Amen. And I was always the least. I was, when I, when I stepped into Bible college, I was just lucky that they accepted me. Okay. And by the, the second day, I, I beat the head boy off the stairs and I dra wanted to drown him in the pool. John wasn't even there at the Bible school back in those days. And I was drowning the guy in the fish pool in front of the church. And they had to come and save him. <laughs> okay, so um, that, was, that was the good old days. And God was so gracious that he chose us. Who knows that God chooses us? Man, to think somebody chooses us. He, he chose us. With all, with all these things, he still chose us. And he said, are you willing? Can you go? So um, I'm going to take up an offering if that's fine. Um, We've got a card machine for those people who would be interested in using the card machine. Just raise your hand and wave. Um, there's SnapScan for anyone who would like to use SnapScan. And oh, guys, basically the finances that we take up is to, to ad, 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 advance the, the mission, the vision. Hallelujah. Um, so I want to tell you, you never need to give um, out of a hard heart. Okay, the, the, the Bible says, um, the Lord hates a reluctant giver. Am I right, John? Am I quoting that, that portion? Okay, so what I, what I do believe is, is that the Lord, the Lord really wants us to have an open heart to say, Lord, here's, here's an area of what you can use. And basically what we are doing at Acts 29 is, is we are saying, Lord, let's be the next chapter. We want to take people off the street. We want to see orcs succeed. We want to... Ask the Holy Spirit to come and do something fresh in our midst so that he will take the glory for it. And I want to ask you, as you co-partner with us, to, to trust the Lord. It's not, it's never, if, if the money is hard or you're in a tough place, please come and join us. I want to give you a plate of food. Uh, we, can, we can dish out food. We've, we've got a centrum and we trust the Lord every week for food. Last week they told me, Pastor, that the meat is finished. And I prayed. That. So we had our last meat that night. And the next day, the Lord provided meat. I mean, who knows that God is still our provider? Jehovah, Jireh, God our provider. And so, when I, why do we have to give? I believe it's a way that the Lord uses and tests, tests our hearts. So, the Lord really wants to test our hearts in the area of finances. And as we are faithful, I want to tell you, God doesn't give because you gave. He gave first. He's not, he's not pleased or blessed by the fact that you give. But there's simple obedience that God honors. And as we step out, God wants to, to be faithful. Let's just extend our hands. Father, thank you, Lord, for the measure of our income and that we can be faithful in our tithes and our offerings as we bring it in this season to you. And Lord, I want to ask that there will be a harvest. Just want you to see, just call in your harvest. Lord, we call in our harvest because we are faithful and we are looking towards you. And we know that you are our provider in Jesus' mighty name. And those who agree with me, just say amen. Amen. Um, so this morning, I've titled my, my message, uh, Redeemed. I, I want to speak on a few principles, and that's why I said I'm back to grassroots this morning, because I really believe in the simplicity of the gospel. 
Who knows that the gospel is the good news of God that leads people to repentance? So whenever we speak about Jesus, it should lead people to repentance. It should not lead people to feel guilty. Amen? So repentance is an action of the heart. It's something where you realize and you've got a conviction of the Holy Spirit and it places on a Pharisee with the name of Paul such a, such a desire that he was pursuing the church and he turned around and he walked in a different direction following Jesus. It's only a conviction that can come from God. And I want to tell you what we want to do, the church want to do is we want to convict people in their minds instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to convict the Spirit. Amen? Wie weet dat as God jou oortuig van gerechtigheid, He shows you who you are. Amen? Who's excited about that? I want to tell you, I'm so excited about the fact that, that I've, I've, I've seen so many people get healed by the presence of the Lord. I'm not a healer. I don't have any healing properties in me. One day I was praying for an old lady. Um, John, back in 2007, we went to Madagascar. And uh, I was praying there for an old lady who could not see. She had the cataract on her eyes. So her eyes is white. And I laid my hands on her eyes. And when I removed my hands, she could see. And I, I couldn't believe that she could see. I was like flabbergasted. I didn't really think stuff like that can happen. I was praying. We heard Peter saying to the Lord, Lord, help my unbelief. I was saying, Lord, yes, like, now you need to help me because I didn't think it was going to happen. I just did what, I, what the Bible said I must do. And then by accident, God was just faithful towards his word. And all of a sudden, there's this miracle. And I don't even know how to conduct myself. And I'm like, yes, like, you know. No, Sekfritani, Leah says, just read the clock at the back of the church. And she can read it and I can't. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Let's just give the Lord a hand. The... The, um, one day I was sitting with one of the, the churches we planted in, um, a while ago, and I was sitting with the leadership, and I said, you know what the Lord is telling me? He's saying to, showing me you're going to have twins. Yes, and if I was quiet for me. Two weeks later, guess what? <laughs> she was pregnant. And then we heard, listen here, yeah, a few weeks later, she was pregnant with twins. Okay? And I was like, yes, like Lord. And I was like, man, I didn't even, uh, shoo. Okay, so sometimes God honors, honors our commitment. He honors our, our even our, I could say, ons, in the fact that we can be inadequate, God can still honor that. Amen? Ons pathetischheid. God sal enige ou gebruik. Hy gebruik Gideon wat a coward was. And then we think that we need to be perfect so that God could use us. Who knows? We only need to be available. God's looking for individuals that's available, not that's perfect. He's, look, he's, he's not called any vessel that was perfect. When Jesus came to the earth, he did not go to the, to the University of Jerusalem and handpicked 12 of the finest young scholars who was there. He went about and he chose fishermen. Sians van Donner. I mean, the sons of Zebedee. It was guys who, who had, a, they had a reputation, but it was not always for fishing. I mean, that same oak later down, a few passages down, cuts off our ear. The other night I was telling a guy, I said, if you, as you were in the work, you're going to for your Okay. I said, I don't know if we've got that anointing to put it back. <laughs> but we'll find out. 
okay? So we might just be surprised what the Lord still do. Okay, let's go to Isaiah 1 verse 18. Now, who of you have reasoned with the Lord before? Uh, is there anyone who's, who's, reason, who's reasoned with the Lord? And I want to tell you, if I say I reason with the Lord, I'm never arrogant towards the Lord. I'm not, I'm not throwing pity parties with the Lord. When I was a young Christian, I thought I had the right to do it. And the Lord even excused it back then. But I want to tell you that I like reasoning with the Lord. Um, Abraham was a negotiator. He reasoned with the Lord. But Lord, if you could just, if there was 10 people that is righteous, will you save the city? He says, if there's 10, I'll, I'll save it. And he was negotiating with the Lord the whole time. And I want to tell you the problem of the church is we've stopped reasoning with the Lord. Hannah could not fall pregnant. She, she had a womb that could not bring forth children. And then she went to the church and she did not stay at home being offended, thinking that God's not faithful. She, she was standing on God's character, knowing and declaring what she heard about him. He's not proven himself faithful to her yet. And she was sitting in church and the priest was thinking she was a drunk because she was praying with the Lord, praying to the Lord. Lord, man, I know it, Lord. I know my womb has not opened up yet. But I know the God that opens up wounds. You know what? As she was speaking, God was honoring. The priest came in. He rebuked her. He said to her, you drunken woman, when will you leave the wine? And she said, Lord, um, yeah, she told Eli, she said, I neither had wine nor strong drink. I'm here because I'm, I'm in interaction with the God. She's reasoning with God. She was having a conversation with God. And the problem that we have is we don't reason with God. You know what? The Bible says that the blood of Jesus is speaking out for us. It's reasoning on our behalf. The Spirit of God is interceding for us. It's reasoning on our behalf. But yet the church has fallen silent. Who's ever heard the scripture that the blood and the water agrees? Amen. I want to tell you in the natural. Do you know what you consist of? You are mostly made of water. I really believe that the Lord wants us to come into reason with Him. Amen. You don't have because you don't ask. And I believe that one of the major problems in the church is the church has forgotten to talk to God and to ask God. And to inquire from Him. To say, Lord, is this your heart? You know what's one of the biggest problems? One of the things I knew. There was a, a, a stage in my life when myself and Carly, and I knew what the Lord was saying, but I didn't want to do it. I wasn't willing to pay the sacrifice. Then the Lord kept on speaking to me about this specific thing, and I would not do it. And he kept on speaking. You know that, that the Lord is gracious, he's merciful, and then the Lord would bring it to that point where he deals with it. And this is one of the things that I've learned from the scripture. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So now God is reasoning. And I want to tell you, this is an old, remember we've got an Old Testament and we've got a New Testament. The Old Testament, I love it. It's great. It's good to see how faithful God was even before the promise came. It is good to see how, how committed God was towards his people even when they were not. It is good to see God's character because you can see it so clearly. You can catch the heart of the Father. If you read through scriptures, I'm, I'm blessed by the Old Testament. But it's still the, the shadow books. And it's not the sunlight book 
of the New Testament, it does not give the same revelation as the New Testament. And I've fallen in love with a person. I've got a man crush with, on, a, with, on, a, on a man with the name of Jesus. I don't know if any of you heard that name. Frack it, I get a man crush of my own. And I'm sincere when I say it. That there's something when I, when I received the revelation of what he has done. How sold out he is on me. I realize that his heart is for me and not against me. And it's so important for us to take this. Now the Lord is reasoning. And I want to tell you, he's reasoning with a people who's got the law. And they are measuring themselves up by the law. And they can't even up sustain it or keep it up. They need a savior. Oh, what a savior. Isn't he beautiful? Amen. Sing hallelujah. Wonderful. Sorry. Okay. He's my corrector. He always, he always differs from me. If you are willing and obedient, Joshua... You shall eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, the, the, the thing that I have about the Old Testament is how people will look to the law and not see God's continuous hand of being gracious. David, God was so gracious towards David, to King David. Um, he chose out a shepherd boy, the least amongst all the brethren, um, uh, last week I was speaking about David, and I, I think I'll, I'll do that sermon also on this side. But the, the thing that blessed me about David was the fact where he writes in the psalm, he says, I was conceived in sin. And I read the commentaries, and some of the commentaries would say that David's father, because he looked different towards than the rest of the brothers, they would say that his mother had intercourse with a different man, and he was a, a bastard child. That's why his father never allowed him to come to the house when the prophet said that he, he wanted, he was coming to the house. And they left him not because he was young, because he, he believed that maybe it's not his. It's, he was illegitimate. And what I, what I believe in a sense is that, um, that the Lord wants us in this season to reason. David had to go and he had to meet the father while he was tending to the sheep. He was having an experience with God as he had never had before. Now, the interesting part for me is as I read through this um, portions of Scripture in Isaiah, um, there's 15 woes throughout the whole Isaiah. And the first, the first of the woes, the first nine woes, is two of them in, are in chapter um, 3. And then you've got the, the six woes in chapter 5. You guys can go and read it yourselves where, where God is addressing the nation of Israel who's become null and void, they, they're not seeking his presence, they, they, have, they don't have a hunger, they, they, they are unfair and unfit, and there's corruption and all these things that is wrong, and God is warning the nation. And now he's speaking to a prophet, Isaiah 6, now we, um, in Isaiah 6 verse 5, we're getting to the, to the ninth woe in the book of Isaiah, but just hear him out. And he said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. Now, just before this, um, if you let, let me just quickly read. I just want to see if I can get the previous scripture. Uh, in the, just here, yeah, in Isaiah 6, verse 1, it's not on the screen, don't worry. In the year of King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. This is Isaiah. 
It's a man of unclean lips and he's seeing the Lord. Are you picking up what I'm picking up? He's having a revelation of God that is on the throne and he's lifted up, but he's a man of unclean lips. And I want to tell you, as long as you walk around in a conviction that you can't draw close to God because of what reason ever, the enemy will always keep you in a poor position. You will never have the liberty to come to the Father and to open up your heart. And if your shortfalls is always in front of you, instead of the grace and the goodness and the loving kindness of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, you will never draw close with a heart of understanding. And listen here, remember the calling, the calling that the Lord has called me in this season is to be a father to the fatherless. They call us the faceless, nameless, fatherless generation. I, I cancel that word. Because we're going to be a generation who's got identity, standing up, knowing who we are in Christ Jesus, becoming the next chapter. How? By knowing what he has said and what he has done. And because he has done it, we can do it as well. And greater things we will do. Amen? Now listen here. He was high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. If there was anything I was looking at of the Lord, New Testament revelation, I was not looking at his robe. I can promise you that. Great, great prophetic vision. But of all the things I would, I would be observing, the robe would not be one of them. Above him stood this, the seraphim. Each had six wings with two covered his face and two covered his feet. And then he flew. So, this is the thing. This is the I don't want to call it a gedrog. This And he's got these wings covering his face. God is so holy. And this thing that's not sinned, because he's not a fallen angel, He's covering his face because God is holy. And yet the guy with unclean lips are beholding the Lord. Wow. Isn't that a New Testament revelation? The angels can't behold him. But how God has made his mystery hidden throughout the ages. Now being revealed. Christ Jesus, the hope of all glory. Isn't there something significant about what, what he's writing here? And... The thing that blessed me most about this portion of scripture was the fact that you've got these heavenly bodies who are supposed to be perfect, and yet they, are, they, they can't even look towards God. Now let's just look here again to, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, verse 5. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. So he's a man of unclean lips, and he's in a generation of people who's got unclean lips. Now I thought to myself, just like he was here, and so see boere folk. You had a little open sweat. This Marie's a kinsman. Okay, so need that you survive sweat, Marie. You're over that now. Okay, okay. So, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Hosts. Yes. Guys, I want to tell you, I spent the whole week on that verse trying to figure out in the Old Testament how you could behold the king. Because the Bible says no one has seen, no flesh has seen God and lived. The only way you could behold God is when you were in the spirit. When you were, when you like Adam. Then one of the sheriffs flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with the tongues from the altar. So now you see this, this creature, this, this sheriff, um, and he's flying, and his face is covered, and his feet is covered, and he's flying, and he's bringing a coal from the altar of God, and he's burning the lips of Isaiah, which was his excuse. 
So God will, will, will give his, his angels command concerning us to take away each and everything that removes us from his glory. Mike Bickle um, is one of the pastors at Bethel Church who made a very profound statement which touched my heart so severely over December that I was literally swallowed up by the statement. And he, he, he said the following. He said, all of God's judgments are aimed at that which removes you from his love. We think that God's judgments are aimed at us, but all of his judgments are aimed at that which removes you from his love. So he takes away the excuse that you have so that you can draw close and that you can behold him. Listen here, and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now remember, the Pharisees was, was angry with Jesus because Jesus came to a man who was um, lying at, at the pool of Bethesda and he said to him, take your, up your bed and go. Your sins are forgiven. And they said, who do you think you are that you can forgive the sin of people? And here we see the prophet having an encounter, recognizing and realizing that he is unclean in a certain fashion. And he's exactly the same of, as the rest of the generation. What made him differently? The fact that he drew closer to God. God is drawn by people who are broken and drawn to him. And Aquafia said, As if we think the church is a place for, for um, only good and healthy and great people, we're missing it. The church is still a hospital. It's still a light, and it's drawing all kinds of brokenness. He did not come for those who don't need a healer. He's the healer of the broken. He came for those who needed a physician. Amen? And I love this Jesus because... He's taken away the excuse of the prophet. The prophet only means to declare what God is saying. It's not a title. When somebody says they, they come in a title of a prophet, I don't believe in the title of a prophet. I believe in the function of a prophet declaring what God is saying. How do we know what God is saying? Because it's become clear to us. It's become clear. You need to declare what Jesus has done. So I want to tell you, I believe that we've got a, a priestly and a prophetic robe upon us. And we should declare what God is saying because people don't know what God is saying. And my men, my volkant in gronde weens a gebrek van kennis van die woord. They don't know what is standing in the word. Listen to Isaiah 6 verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Immediately after he had an encounter with God and he was touched by God. Now, our, our vision at, at, at Acts 29 is worship, encounter, connect, volunteer, and reach. I tell people all the time, unless you have an encounter with God, I don't want people ever to come to the front for prayer. I want people coming to the front for healing. There's a difference in the attitude of the heart. When, people, when, when the woman with the issue of blood heard that Jesus was there, she would not stay at the back of the crowd hoping that he would touch her. She was pressing through to the point where she could touch his robe. She heard of a prophet that spoke about his robe, and she knew if she could only touch the fringe of his garment, then God could touch her. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he? Is it wonderful? Okay. 
Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Jeremiah, send me. The same guy who's just been touched is now willing to be sent. And I want to tell you, in this season, you can't tell me you are sent or you got touched, but you're not willing to go. You can't take the go out of God. You can't take the go out of gospel. It's the good news. The whole idea of going and telling people about the goodness of God that has led us to repentance is the fact that I know that God wants us to do it. It's not good news if it's only come to your house. It only becomes good news once you become the bearer of it. And you can't bring a bad and a good report on the same time. When David heard the report was what, what was going to happen to the man that's going to deal with this Philistine, he thought to himself, everything is lined up. Amen. And he said, go and say this to the people. Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Why? Because understanding and seeing, the perceiving, is something that comes from the Spirit. I want to tell you, we live in, in the information era. There's so much information that it contradicts each other on Google. So you need the sermon to determine which of the truths are, are the truth. For sound judgment in the sermon. For people to have and understand what the heart of God is. To understand, the, the, to have the knowledge of what God is saying. Okay, so this morning I'm going to speak about five, six, um, just, just logical terms. The one is redemption. It's the action of being redeemed. Who's ever taken a token to pick and pay? Uh, when I was young, who knows? You remember those days? You had this um, um, the, the milkman coming and you had this glass bottle and you had this coupon that you threw in the bottle, which means that you paid for your milk. And then the guy would deliver it and he'll leave a fresh one outside. Could anyone of you remember those days? Okay, who can remember it? Just raise your hands. Okay, who, can, who can't remember it? Okay, exactly. No. <laughs> okay. Um, and it wasn't, the, the milkman, was, milkman was not my dad. Okay, so in Afrikaans, it's, the, it's, it's this verlossing. It's the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. That's how they describe it. The action of regaining or gaining possession of something in exchange for a payment or clearing a debt. So I want to tell you this morning, if the, the, the fact was that Jesus chose us beforehand. He had to say, listen here, I want to redeem a people to myself. I'm willing to pay the full installment of what is needed so that you never need to pay the price. And if I say I'm on grass level this morning, I really want to say to you, if you don't understand that God has paid and redeemed you from the curse of sin. So when, when I have conversations with the guys at, at, at the Oaks at Ark, it will typically go like this. I'll tell them, listen here, I believe that all sin has been forgiven. Who can agree with me? Who knows that Jesus took away every sin? Okay. Um, so then I'll, I'll get questions, but then why can't we just then continue in sin? Well, then you don't have a revelation of what Jesus has done. It's not an excuse to keep on doing what I'm doing and getting away with it. It is having understanding what he has done and growing a heart for him. 
Amen. Who's ever been loved in your life and you want to hurt the person that loves you? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so probeer cable ties. Okay. <laughs> um, so the when I realized redemption was for me a difficult understanding because I always wanted to qualify the fact that God has paid the price. So I felt I had to bring the same contribution to the table so that I could get justified. I felt that I had to do more. So for the two, we weet that once you leave it, God die wereld gaat, het is die enige boere sien gegeer dat wie ook al om sal glo nie verloor is, sal gaan nie, maar die eeuwig lewe sal hee, maar vir wie ook al nie om geglo het nie, is al reeds condemned, they, they were already condemned because they did not believe in the only son of God. Okay, so when I, when I heard the gospel, the good news, it sounded foolish to me at first. Until I got to the point where I realized, but there's nothing that I can do to contribute or help, or that, my, that everything that I've done up until this far, if I only fell short with 10 millimeters, I was still falling short. Amen? Um, you, if, if you can't make the jump, if you had to make the jump from this side of the room to that side, and you can only jump 4 meters or 8 meters, if you can't jump the whole 10, you are still falling short. And it doesn't matter if you only fall short with 5 millimeters or 10 millimeters or 5 meters, it's exactly the same fall. Amen? We wear it. We wear it near medium L. You, you, you know, you've got the, the L for the worst of the worst people, and then you've got this medium L for the guys that's going, which is quite okay. Um, so, when, when I realized that God is all in, He didn't come with, with just a good solution, He came with the full price. And redemption is available for everyone, but not everyone gets it. Amen? Who knows that God has redeemed everything? He's even redeemed the whole, the, the whole creation. But yet the creation is waiting for the sons of God to stand up and to be revealed. Who knows that, that I was preaching in, uh, um, in Dark City. It's a rural area close to Ekongala, Zetubeni, those areas over there. And we were having a crusade. And one of the guys came to me and he said, You know what, Pastor? Why the devil hates you so much? I said to him, no, because I, I'm, I'm never aware of the devil. And he said to me, because you are in the image of God. The reason why the devil has a tiff with us is because we remind him, because we his direct imprint. We're his direct image. And then I realized, okay, right, so redemption has been given to everything, but salvation is a choice. Salvation is something that you need to choose. Now let me, I'm going to read the scripture once again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So who can see that God loved the world and he wanted the world to have eternal life? Is there anyone that can agree with me on the basis of scripture? And then he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Who knew that Jesus didn't come to condemn it? He was the lamb, but he's coming back as the lion. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to liberate us and set us free. 
He came to take away the excuse that was keeping you from drawing close to the good, good father. Amen. The good news is that there is nothing that you could do that could have saved you except the fact of choosing him. What got you saved? No, no. We talk about our own in the Dominus stem prat. John, I'm so glad you didn't teach me to, to speak in the Dominus stem. Okay, so the thing that blessed me the most is the fact that when people are real with God, when I, I teach my sons about realness, when I mess it up, I don't fake it, I go to them, I say, you know, I've messed it up. Because there's nothing that can separate me from the love of Jesus. Nothing in whole creation, Romans 8. There's nothing in the whole creation that is able to separate you from the love of Jesus. No sword, no famine, no disease, no angel, no death. There's nothing. And I had to grasp that. Because unless you understand that God has paid the full price and nothing can come in between you, it is a choice to stay away from Him. Now it becomes a choice to draw closer to Him. To understand, but Father, you, you've got a heart. But what if he doesn't approve? Well, deal with what the Spirit tells you to deal with. That's staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Matthias, I've, I've, I've not heard the Lord for years. So just go back to the point where you last heard him. Because God is speaking. And I want to tell you, sometimes, um, the, the other day, I was, I was really angry um, at things that was going wrong at the church. I became a bit of a... Um, not a skeptic, it's a kritisch geraak, a critic. And I said to the Lord, Lord, and the, Lord, the Spirit asked me something, said, which one is worse, to, to, um, uh, to bless the Holy Spirit or to, what's your name, um, bedroof, what is it? Um, help me? To grieve, to bless or to grieve the Holy Spirit. Which one? And I want to tell you, both are equally. Both are equally bad in its own way. Because blessing, suppressing the Holy Spirit, not allowing Him to, and grieving Him by what you do, both of them is not the ideal. And I had this big experience with the Lord, where the Lord said to me, so because you are grieved, you would rather bless. And sometimes people will bless because they are grieving. Listen here, verse 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Who knows that God's heart was for, from the beginning to save the world. But the world was, had to come to its fullness. The sin had to come to its fullness so that, that Jesus could come for. The Bible says, the Bible says, to the ripeheid van tijd gekom het. When God had to come and judge the earth, He sent salvation in the form of a man. Now, Hebrews make it clear, one man, Adam, made us all guilty. Just check, check the person out next to you, just ask them, why are you wearing clothes this morning? One man, Adam, messed it up for us. You can be thankful that he messed it up for you. Otherwise, this was not uh, going to be a very pleasant sermon. <laughs> okay, so one man, Adam, messed it up. And everyone became sin conscious after it. And we started wearing. The reason why you are wearing clothes is evidence that you come from Adam. Okay? So you don't need this to come to come. That's the closest people living to Adam. Who can remember him? 
Brummer, is het brummer, brommer, brummer, is een vlieg. Is iets, hy, hy, moet op, hy moet op iets sit. <laughs> ok, hy sit, maar Tanny Leen ken hom, nee? Tanny Leen, nou weet ek waar steek Tanny uit. Is een ou bronkerspreiter. <laughs> is het brummer, Tanny? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that it might be saved through him. I want you to see something. Salvation, the, 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 the topic of salvation, when you read through the book of Ephesians and Colossians, and you'll get this, that you weren't saved. You, who knows that you are saved by your faith? By the fact that you placed your, your faith in Jesus, in the miracle working blood of Jesus, and not through works. Now, I'm the first guy to tell you that we are living in times where everyone says they are believers. And that's why I'm quoting the book of James and saying, listen here, if you say that you are saved, show me your works. I want to see with what you are busy with. Because then I will say, yes, you love. If you can show me with what you are busy with, what you do on your Fridays, what do you do in your off times, what do you do when no one is seeing and observing you, with what you are spending your time, I will tell you exactly where your heart is. It will be a good true compass telling you what your true north is. And you know what? It's not to condemn. The message is not to condemn. It is to convict us of the truth. And the person, who knows that the truth is a person. He's a person and he convicts us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The church for us of righteousness. It tells us that you are right with God. Every time I draw close to the Father, I always hear righteousness. Man, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Man, the way you make me feel. I want to tell you when I walk into a room, I feel Jesus' eyes on me. He can't getting to get his eyes off me. I've got a way to move him in the spirit that allows me to enter in a way. It's the liberty that my wife has. I, when she walks into a room, I'm flattered. I'm still dumbstruck. I get jungle knees. Tell you. I said to you, yesterday, and I go with yesterday, and we went to the church in Bronkerspreit, and the rest is history. Okay? I was trying to behave myself like a pastor, and I'm like, yes, man, yes, <laughs> I tell you, if your wife don't move your heart, who does? And that's the thing with Jesus. As we are his bride, I still move his heart. And the whole thing must be, when last have you moved his heart? During the week, myself and Carly, we were just working through some things and just speaking about and I said to her, these are the things that we need to work on in this season. And after coming into agreement, recognizing what the certain issues, the Bible says, deal with the klein jakkels, the klein jakkels is what the wingerd opneek. Who knows it? It's not always the big things. It's not the million rand that you don't bring in a month. It is the small things that you don't address. The small things that you allow. And I had to go and sit down and say, listen, these are the things. My, my needs has changed in the past two years. Can we get to meet each other on different ways and different? And all of a sudden, as soon as we came into agreement, there was a level of blessing that the Lord just said, you know what, I'm going to seal this for you. Now, in this thing, when it comes to the issue of salvation, listen here, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Who believes in Jesus? Is there anyone who believes in Jesus? 
The Bible says we are not condemned. There are no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The issue of salvation, if you are feeling condemned, either you need to get saved or you need to get conviction of the truth. Jesus does not condemn the body, but he reveals to us a greater truth. So he will come and work in your heart to do after his will and his desire. Amen. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the, of the only Son of God. Remember when Isaiah was speaking about this generation, he had unclean lips, they had unclean lips. The whole problem here is the fact that people here would not believe. The issue is if you can believe. For faith is the substance of things hopeful. I really believe that there is something that God is doing in the body of Christ that is fixing salvation in this day. Because if I don't know if my wife is still onto me or into me, I have a problem. I need to know that she's totally committed and I've got the same commitment towards her. It, it brings a level of maturity and an expectation where you don't get messed up in your mind. A simple forebuild. And I've told it for my wife, to my wife so many times during the, the years that we've been married. I only have eyes for one girl. I tell you, anyone that's been around me, knows me longer than a few years, will tell you, I don't need, I, I, I am filled by one woman. And I believe that she will fill that desire till the day that I die. Sold out. So I made a commitment to her and I said to her, you know what? I'm so sold out on you that it doesn't matter. I want to I believe that whatever happens in our future, I already choose to, to go this, walk this road with you. I want the Lord to, to, I want us to end well in this thing. Um, when I dream, I dream of these boys of mine having babies, putting them in my bed, and that baby girl of mine as well. And um, then one day, I'm going to give you a little and I'm going to all these stories for tell, where I'm going to give you a little Yeah, the good old days. Amen. The next one I want to speak about is the, the term justification. Now, many of us, it's a legal terminology. Who knows that you've been justified? Justification is something that happened within us when Jesus fulfilled the legal requirement that was needed on the basis on our behalf. And he paid the full price so that nothing is outstanding. So he redeemed us. And the, these, these matters are so intertwined that you can't remove the one from the other. And if you can understand that the full legal requirement on your behalf has been paid. So many times people will tell me, Matthijs, maar jy verstaan, ek het al die teerspoed. Break through it. You need to go into prayer. The Bible says, weerstaan die duivel in hy sal, resist the devil and he will. He will flee. You need to learn how to resist the devil. And if you combat the devil on the basis of your emotions, you'll always lose. You need to stand against him on the basis of the word, knowing what the word declared over you and understanding that you are a son of God. I mean, I look at these young girls this morning and they came in. I, I saw prophetic mantles on them. And I believe there's something prophetic upon this generation that's coming. With other words, it's a generation that knows what God is saying. But the problem was they are branding us the faceless, nameless, fatherless generation because we don't know who we are in Christ Jesus. And someone who doesn't know who they are, I can tell you, if you are royalty and you don't know, it means nothing. Who's watched the movie August Rush? 
Yes, there was just something stirring in that young man's heart. Whenever he heard music, he was destined that music should, should come out. And that which was in him, even though it looked like he was diverting on his road, God was bringing him to the very destination where he will meet up with destiny, that which was taken away from him, unrightfully being restored. And I want to tell you that nothing can stop God's goodness in your life, but you need to believe it. Just what the man thinks, so shall that? As a man thinketh, so it will be. Romans 5.17, Dave once, um, I'm reading this out of the, the Passion Translation. Dave once held us in a grip, and by the blunder of one man's death reigned as a king over humanity. But now, how much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life? So once you understand the, 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 the term justification and you understand what Jesus is doing for you and you understand that you are set right, you are in right standing with God because of the fact that the full price has been paid, then it means that death has lost its grip on you. Vivian, guys, I've seen people mourn in church in this past few years, last year, June. I lost my best friend. He's 70 years old. He was a co-pastor with me. And faithful and devoted to the Lord. He was the head of the beer. And as I got the message, the morning at 3, 4 o'clock, I was getting into the shower and I was sitting like a girl on the shower floor crying, weeping because I love him. And I knew I've lost a, a friend and a co-partner who was joined with me like a lion. He was a serious, you know these lions with these big manes. He was this lion with this big mane. And he always stood for the right thing. I had so much respect for his integrity. And I remember when I, when I got the news, I said, Lord, what now? And the Lord said, now I will walk with you. I will walk with you. So Akofia said, it's not easy to come into a camp where two or more stand together. And it's time for us to stand up. It's time for the church to stand up. It's time to grow a voice. It's time to have something about, to say about abortion, about the racism that's going on, about things that's wrong in our country. And we need to grow a voice, but not in the sense where we, we need to grow the conviction of the Holy Spirit that teaches us concerning the loving um, kindness of God. I want to tell you that there's something, I'm, I'm so impressed with God's goodness and his kindness that that's what leading people to repentance the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance not my opinion and I want to tell you we can lose a whole generation if we tell them how pathetic they are we'll lose them the church needs to stop its opinion because God has spoken about this generation and we need to prophetically declare and then decree and take it amen in other words, um, just here, the, the, this portion, um, enjoying your, your regal freedom through the gift of the perfect righteousness in the one and only Jesus, the Messiah. In other words, just as condemnation come, came upon all people through our one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness that makes us right with God and leads us into a victorious life is now available to all. 
one man's disobedience opened the door for humanity to become sinners. So also one man's obedience opened the door for, for many to be made perfect right with God and accept, um, acceptable to him. And as a young Christian, I had to go be, because I had this thing on Sundays whenever there was an altar call made. I had, I had this feeling in my heart that I wanted to give my heart to Jesus again and again and again. Who gave your heart to the Lord like 50 times? Okay. So I was the guy, every time there was an altar call, I was at that stage just wanting to be saved. And I had this bipolar Christianity. Now I'm saved. Now I've done something wrong. Now I'm unsaved. Now I'm not loved. And God does not approve of me. And I had to go and say, Lord, but how do I deal? Because I can't be this bipolar Christian. How do I deal? And the Lord said to me, you've got to have a conviction of truth. And when you understand the, the, the fact that I have justified you through, my, through, through the cross, it does not give you an excuse. You know what, the, how I stop smoking? When I stopped trying to stop smoking. When I started focusing on the grace and the goodness and the love of God that has led me to repentance, it, it convicted me. And the next moment when I got myself, I wasn't smoking for quite some time. And all of a sudden, that's how the Lord dealt with pornography in my heart. We were married, I was new, we were newly wed, uh, myself and my wife, and um, all of a sudden in 2004, six months into our marriage, um, she fell pregnant, I don't know how, and she fell pregnant with an awesome young boy with the name of Aiden, and um, a few weeks later, I found myself where things weren't working out. And I struggled in an area, and I had to be honest because the truth will set you free. So I went to her and I said to her, listen, yeah, I've got cancer. And I can either lie about it and try and figure it out by myself, or I can be honest about it. Can we deal with it together? And we had to go and sit to the Lord because we didn't have guidance. We had to go and say, Lord, how are we going to deal with this issue? Because all of a sudden I'm struggling in something. And I never thought, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was like this virgin. And all of a sudden I'm struggling with issues in my heart that I didn't even know that exist. In the church. And the reason why I'm honest and transparent about these things is because many times we'll face different demons. And if the church isn't truthful about what we have gone through, then we, we, we are not Christ. I'm not Christ. So I had to go and say, how do we work through this painful experience that we have gone through? And then the Lord took me through the process of showing me how he has justified me. How he has paid the full price. And how he's done it, done it. The next one I want to talk about is the term sanctification. Heiligmaking. Now when I grew up, my oomala was, was pingstermense. Both of my grandfathers were pastors. And um, they were in the, uh, uh, my, my one grandfather was Leden Christus. Who knows them? Is there anyone who knows Leden Christus? And my other grandfather was of the AFM, the African Faith Mission, Apostolic Faith Mission. I think that's the right one. Okay, so the term, when I grew up, I always heard them speaking about heiligmaking, sanctification. And it was this process, not understanding back then, I didn't know. So I saw them speaking about it, and it was the, their effort of being holy so that they could be acceptable. 
And then they'll have this certain life at the church, and they'll have this different life at home. Okay? And that, in a sense, made church for me a double standard, or this, this, it's like this railway, and you can't ever bring these two lines together. It's always separated. And one day we went to um, uh, Gold Reef City, and I saw this, this ride, and it had this one lane. The Lord said to me, I've joined it. I brought things together. And you know what? I had to go and say to the Lord, because this is one of the, the, the biggest issues in my life, was the fact that I had to say, Lord, how do I get sanctified? How do I work through the, uh, the effort of being, being sanctified? And listen here, I'm going to read 1 Peter 1 verse 16. For Scripture says, you, you are to be holy because I am holy. Now, in, in a sense, he's not saying that you need to work harder. He's making a declaration of who you already are. Who knows that you are holy? I want to tell you, I am holy. And the reason why I am holy is not because of my own works. It's because he is holy. As he is, so am. And I have become exact, his exact fingerprint. So, you know what happens when I come to a place where I need to pray for the sick, but I had a difference with someone on the way. I become aware of who he is because he's still the healer. It's not, I'm not the healer. So people will tell you, but that will remove God so that he won't do it. I want to tell you, I see Jesus using more vessels that was not usable, and then he sends them out. Take the guy who had an encounter in the graveyard with Jesus, who was full of demons, cutting himself, shouting out, and no chain could bound him. And as he had this encounter with Jesus, all of a sudden, something broke in him, and the demons left him, went into the peaks. And when the people of the town came, they asked Jesus to please go out of their region because he touched the demon-possessed man. And Jesus sent the man into the region where the demons was, was busy having, being the stronghold. And what I believe is, is as we step into this thing, as we understand that sanctification is, a, uh, is, is an effect of what Jesus has already done. I step into it. I become aware of who I am in Christ Jesus. And I want to tell you, you know, what's the one thing? It's, when, I, when we just got married, it was the idea of being... Carly's husband. Okay, so for the people who don't know my wife, she's Carly. And um, so people who, who don't know us will call us Matthijs and Carly, or Matthijs and his wife. And other times, the people who really know us will call us Carly and Matthijs. Okay. <laughs> it's just a, a, a more accurate version of how, how it is. <laughs> okay, so... The, the thing that I love about Peter is, who knows that Peter was, John was this, this thank God. Yes, like I, I can't thank him enough because I can't get myself out of John 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I keep on going back to the scriptures all the time. John 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I want to challenge you guys, go and read through, through the book because John reveals something about the heart of the Father and the nature of Jesus that, that none of the other disciples does in such a clear way. But the one thing that I relate with is Peter's ruggedness. And how the Spirit was speaking to him. And listen here, for the scripture says, you ought to be holy because I am holy. 
A better one on this is, you are holy because he's holy. Since you call on him as your heavenly father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works. Live each day with the holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. For you know that your lives were ransomed once and for all from the empty and futile ways of life handed down from generation to generation. It was not a ransom payment of silver and gold, which eventually perishes, but the precious blood of Jesus, who like a, uh, like a spotless, unblemished lamb, was sacrificed for us. So, in this process, when, when Peter is writing, he's referring back. Remember the other day I was preaching on Lamb Selection Day. And I was speaking about this Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, which John was pointing out. And when Jesus came walking into Jerusalem in the week where he needed to be crucified, that same week he was going to be crucified, the whole of Israel was pointing out, behold the Lamb of God. And they, 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 they made the selection of the Lamb of God. and They wanted to make him their, their king. Now, when you understand that he is the spotless lamb, that the, the, the unblemished lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he is the one that paid the price. It's so easy to walk a road of sanctification. Because as soon as you have the conviction that as he is, so are you. And you understand what he has done for you. I want to tell you, in, in the process of sanctification, I, I, I tried, there were certain things that I tell, tried over and over to deal with in my life. And I could never deal with it until I came to the point where I gave it to the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, I'm broken in this area, but I believe you. And you are faithful, and you are true, and you are my deliverer, you are my healer. And as soon as I started casting my cares and my burdens upon Jesus, all of a sudden, I could find myself dealing with hurts and pains that I never thought I could deal with. And the most significant thing about it was the fact that I could be honest about it. And I could experience the goodness and the kindness of the Lord. Now, sanctification is the process that God keeps on doing in our life while we are here on earth. And I want to tell you, as long as you are on in earth and you see me, I'm still going through the process of sanctification. Because the next one that I'm going to speak about is glorification. And glorification, in a certain sense, the Lord is working in my heart about this terminology because I believe that the word says that we will be perfected at His coming. That we will be glorified. But now the Lord is saying to me, Matthias, as in heaven, so on earth. And I believe that there was a glorification when Jesus walked onto the Mount of Transfiguration. He transfigured into the, glory, the glorified body of which God had for him. And he had an experience with God, an outer body, body experience with God. Where his physical body transformed into his glorified body. Moses had an encounter with God in the Old Testament. Before the, while, while the law was being presented to him, he had an encounter with God. And he had this glorification. When he came down, he shone of the glory of God. I believe that the Lord is bringing the church back to a place where we will not have an expectancy to be one day when we get to heaven. What a glorious place it shall be. Um, when we all get to see Jesus. Who knows that song? It's an old, the old Pungster Um So, 
I don't believe one day when we get to heaven what a glorious time it's going to be. I believe that the glorious time is, should be done and should be seen on earth. I believe as we get convicted of our sonship and becoming one with Jesus, I want to tell you, I'm one with that girl. I'm, I've spoken about the perisitliasis of God. I've become one with that. If you, if you, before we got married, we were two. But the two will be jointed and become one flesh. Guess with who I am jointed in the spirit. I became one flesh with him. And I believe his, his flesh must manifest in me. I've seen my wife do things like, like I would do it. As we have rubbed against each other over the years, all of a sudden she's doing things like I would do it. And there's certain things that I would do as if she would do it. And in a certain sense, I believe that the Lord is doing something in the body of Christ where he's convicting us of who we truly are. Who we truly are. I believe that he's doing something so unique. He's doing something so unique. And I want to tell you, in the season where we are in, if we are willing and obedient to say, Lord, we believe that you want to complete the good work that you have started within us. And we realize the price is... Just listen, I, I want to read Ephesians 1.13. In him also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, with other words, the good news that brought you, that you gave your heart to God, and you got saved. And you believed in him, that's in Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you guys. I've got a bottle of water here. And it is sealed. And it means that nothing is going into it. And nothing is coming out of it. And the church is so afraid that if we come close to someone that is in a sense different or they have sin, that we will become contaminated. And I want to tell you, when Jesus came to earth, he was sitting with prostitutes. He was sitting with drunkards he was sitting with tax collectors people who were unrighteous in their dealings and he came close to something that was foul or that was rotten and then the light of God will penetrate it and heal it and yet we believe that when we come close I want to tell you something one of the things that we have taught in the church and it's it's heresy is we would say that a man is not allowed to minister to a woman. Instead of telling people that you should have, you should have integrity. You are right. And you should have self-piercing. What's it? Self-control. So then we made certain rules and obligations because that's the way. But Jesus came to a girl, sit with her at the pit, and it was not a girl with an abs abs uh, 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 outstanding reputation. And yet he went out of his way to meet up with a girl of bad reputation because he had a plan and a purpose for her. And the moment when she had this encounter, she went back to the very men of the city. It's interesting. Go read it in the King James. It says she went back to the very men of that city and she told them everything. She said, come and look at the man who told me everything I have ever done. She's only known to be a prostitute. She was a lady of the, light, of the night. 
She went back with a testimony and the whole city's men follow this girl with bad reputation. I believe that God is calling the church into a next level of intimacy. But we need to understand what we are called for and what he wants to do. Because as you are a man of two minds, and such a man should not expect anything from the Lord. If you are uncertain of what God has called you into, it will always leave you with a conclusion that you are not worthy to enter and come close. You know what is the greatest thing that Jesus is doing in the body in this season? Is the fact that he is allowing the body to be touched. Just to come close. I want to tell you everything around us is telling us you must be 1.5 meters apart. You should not see facial expression. We are living in days where people emotionally isn't making it. And unless the church comes to this place where we say, Lord, we recognize that you have paid the price, you've redeemed us. You have saved us, you have paid the full price. Because of the salvation that we have obtained from you, Lord, we know that we are justified. That there is nothing outstanding on our account. And nothing that we could add to what you have done is going to help it. But because we understand what you have done, we want to become more like you. And we, 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 I want to tell you, if you are self-aware, you can't be God-aware. It's in having the awareness of God's heart. If you walk into a room and you feel self-aware, you won't be able to address or speak. And the only way is when I walk into a place where I'm intimidated or I feel insecure or unsure, I just say, Daddy, come and fill me with your presence. Fill me with your presence. And all of a sudden, I've got this peace that surpasses all understanding. All of a sudden, I'm not trying to perform. Because the price has been paid. I don't need to try and outperform a guy at the bride because of my wife. Because I know where my positioning is with my wife. And out of the place of justification comes this deep sense of being. Where you start saying, Lord, but I've been sanctified. I want to tell you that sanctification is not supposed to bring you to the place where you become self-aware. Sanctification is the process that God attempts on your behalf to, to continually purify and cleanse you and remind you of His goodness. Why would He save you from all that is bad and once you get saved, He leaves you up and says, now I hope you make it. That's what we believe. We believe this God... That God is sadistic. So he starts the process. The Bible says that he will complete the good work. That he has started within you. Sanctification is not my, is not my effort. To help God to complete the good work. It is my ability. To yield. And to surrender. To the purpose and the plan. And the call of God in my life. You see, once we realize that we are holy because He's holy, and we stand up, and we understand that, that is the only place where the church will move into a place 
where I believe the manifestation of the sons of God is going to be revealed is the glorification of the church that's going to happen and I believe it's like going to happen like it's never been happening upon this earth I believe there's going to be a glorification they had encounters with angels and angels visited some of them while they were in prison and they will open up the doors and throw off the chains from their hands they had encounters with angels in places where they never imagined and Peter would walk past the gods and they could not even see him why because there was a glorification that was happening upon him I believe there's a glorification that's going to happen and manifest itself in our day and time and we're going to see that people that come in with liver disease and kidney disease and they're supposed to die in the next two or three weeks and God's going to heal them because he is still the healer he's still the same yesterday today and tomorrow but we have failed to believe the message come let us reason together Thou you had faults now you are clean now you were unpure now you are pure and unless we discern the father's heart we will never have the sonship mantle drawing close when the son came close to the father in luke 15 he felt the need to repent and to say that i have fallen and sinned against heaven and against earth and i'm not worthy to be your son and the father silenced him bring the robe bring the ring place shoes on his feet kill the fattened calf and let's celebrate because my son was dead he was lost but now he's saved the story of the good good father you see what i believe is as we observe the character of the father and we look into scriptures i'm more inclined to have a confession to say jesus i know that this is you and you alone i'm concluding in 2 corinthians 5 verse 17 now if anyone is enfolded into christ he has become an entirely new creation entirely new creation i want to tell you you're not the old creation I'm not part of this creation anymore. Who knows that you have died once, never to die again? I was, when I gave my heart to Jesus, the reason why I'm fearless of death is because I'm never going to die again. I'm going to blow out my breath, but I'm not going to cease to continue. Death comes only once. And if you believe, you continue. If you don't believe, you're going to have a death and you experience a second death. I don't die. I go and I sleep with the fathers. And then I stand up in a resurrected body. So you know what's the nice thing? Is people like, like Stephen, who had this conviction, was not afraid of being stoned. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about really stoned. Okay. He was not afraid of being stoned. He was sincere in his journey towards God because he knew that there's nothing that can separate him from the love of God. And once he, when he was being stoned, he saw Jesus stand up and he gave him a standing ovation. What a guy. 
I read stuff like that and my heart gets moved. I said, Lord, will you evade me? Can I move my father's heart? What can I do today to move your heart, Dad? How can I move it? You see, all of a sudden, then you become aware of the Spirit. Then the Spirit will say, but I want you to spend time. And this is what is important now. And I want you to go and spend time with your wife and leave everything else. But Lord, what if I lose my job? Lose it. Who can lose anything? We are so taught to be responsible. I'm so, I've got this false sense of responsibility. And I have to sit in this season and say, Lord, I need to let go of certain things. Because my, this, it's a false sense of security. And I need to allow you to come and fill me in. And heal my heart in a way that it's not been healed. Because this, I've got this lie and this drive in me that tells me you need to perform. You need to do this. Listen here, you're a total new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Who's heard the story of the new wine? Who's yearning for wine? But I'm a, I, I like wine. Okay? And I don't talk about, I don't get drunk. I don't get drunk. Here's my wife, I don't get drunk on wine. The Bible said, don't get intoxicated by wine, but be constantly filled by the Holy Spirit. I've never seen a man... You should not ever drink wine because you are sad. Wine is there to make your heart merry. Amen. As you drunk for three cry, you're missing the whole point. Okay. The word is speaking about new wine, and the reason why it is speaking about it is once you take one of a bit of it, it makes the heart merry. Because your spirit is not called in God to be downcast. Your spirit is called to stand up. I would teach my, my sons. I'm teaching them. John, when we, we came to Bible college, I mean, it was a big thing. You know, coming into church and especially it's not Cape Town. Cape Town's got a wine culture. It's sensitive in our, in our, in our midst. So I will, the people will tell me, but what if you've got someone that's got an alcohol problem? Well, he needs to learn to have self-control. And then he should learn to sustain. I had a woman problem. I can't go around the rest of my life sticking with my problem and make my problem my excuse not to do things so what do i have to do i had to go into the conviction of what jesus is doing in my life i had to go and i had to say lord come and deal with this cancer in my heart and then the lord could heal it because i was honest and truthful about it anything you are honest and truthful about god will heal i promise you anything you take to the cross in truth Every time Jesus did something in someone's life was always on the basis of truth. And he will ask them questions to see if they were truthful. And once they were truthful, he will give them the liberty. The Pharisees, truthful. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. And given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. This is the best message. When I heard this... I, I could not believe that God could give me a ministry. Who knows that you are called into the ministry? We in our country has gone through this reconciliation, which was not effective because it was done in the flesh. But basically what reconciliation means is to restore things to its original purpose. It's reconciling the sons of God back to the Father. 
the spirit of reconciliation. Now I want to tell you in this season, God is raising up men and women, young women, that will sit and bring people into reconciliation with the Father. He's given you a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? It is to tell people that the Father is not angry, that He's not sitting in judgment. He's waiting for you to return. Who's ready for that message? Who's ready to speak the message that you need to return? For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. So God made Him who had no sin to become sin, so that we who are unrighteous could become righteous. Isn't that a great transaction? I think he did the worst deal ever. And yet he counts it as the highest honor in his life. You know what the father's heart was? When Jesus said in Gethsemane, he said, Dad, if there's any way, if there's any way that I, I don't have to pay this price, if there's any way I can go around this, if there's any other way in the whole creation that you can pay this price, I ask you, please do it. And the father did not come back to him and say, listen, yeah, I figured this now out. Maybe if we pay with silver, it can be done. He said, but not, still not my will. Let your will be done. The will of the father was to reconcile us back to him. And once you've received this reconciliation, this dad that calls you worthy, great, awesome, you can never, ever be the same. So the message will continue not only in you, but through you. And you will become a testimony. It's the love of God that leads us to repentance. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and on the word of their testimony. What is the testimony? I was so lost. I was so lost. I remember, I'm going to share a sensitive story out of my background. I was molested when I was six seven years old and the guy was in um he was the, the owner of sin um i don't know how to do that in english uh what do you call that the deputy okay i thought that was a police officer <laughs> okay so he was not the police officer guy he was the he was the deputy guy and um that night when my mom came home I told her, I said to her, listen here, this is what happened. So we got into the car and we drove to their house. We, we got to the house. He was sitting there with his mother and my mom came out with the whole bag of potatoes and told them, listen here, this is what happened. And his mom asked him, is it the truth? And he lied. He said, no, it's not the truth. So now we're sitting in their living room. I'm, I've told my mom I've been molested and she and my father just got divorced so we've just moved to a new town we knew people in a new town living in Nelspreit and as we sat there the woman came with, an, with an, a very good um, uh, suggestion and she said there's a fortune teller in town let's take them to the fortune teller and let us determine who is speaking the truth but as I said earlier, my grandmother and grandfather, they were in ministry. 
And my grandma used to pray for us at night. And she'll tell us, you never go to that people. If you go to them, you will go to hell. Because they are agents of Satan. And I sat there. And I just didn't want to go to hell. And I said to my mom, I was lying. And she felt embarrassed by the way that I'm, I'm, I'm misusing her goodness. And as we drove home, I got the hiding of my life. We got home and I was crying. I was sitting under the piano, being six, seven years old. I was crying under the piano and she got me under the piano and she gave me another hiding. Because I embarrassed her. And I remember that night going to sleep and I was weeping. I was crying to God and I was saying, Lord, I just didn't want to go to hell. And now I'm sitting with all this pain. I felt I could not trust God because he was not there for me. And I believed a lie that the devil placed in my heart. That you are not worthy. And no one will stand up for you. And even if you speak the truth. Or you will protect yourself from not going to hell. God will not stick with you. I was so broken in that stage. I said, Lord, I don't want to walk this road. I turned my back on the one who loved me. I need to meet up with him. In 10, 12, 13, 14 years later, and I became this very bad guy who misused people in my own terms. The only way that the Lord could touch me was bringing me to a point where he was dealing with the issue and the leprosy of the heart and becoming real. After that confession and the Lord that touched my heart, I not only got saved, I got delivered. I experienced the goodness of God that has led me to repentance. He's taken me through the process where I continually up until today am walking a road of sanctification because His Spirit teaches and guides me concerning all things. And even in times where I feel so insecure, I can just go and lean back and say, Dad, know what I want to tell you I believe that the Lord wants to finish in our lives the sadistic cycle that's been there torturing the church and telling them you're not worthy, worthy to draw close and the only way that God can do this is when people come to the point where they take and they believe what God has for them it's the only place the truth will set you free. Verse 26, one, one, Colossians 1.26 And the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, but now revealed to Matthias. To them God chose to make known how great amongst the Gentiles are the riches of His glory, of His mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of all glory. What glory is hidden within you what is in you that's not been revealed christ jesus the hope of all glory christ jesus the hope of all glory christ jesus the hope of all glory let's just bow our heads sure
If you've come into this room and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you've never accepted the Lord as your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand. Say, Lord, I need to, I need to come into a place where I give my heart to you. I experience that the Lord is speaking to people this morning. You've never given your heart to the Lord. Just there where you sit, I want you to raise your hand. This morning I hear that salvation has come to your house. The price of redemption. you still feel that your works is not good enough if you feel that you are failing the Lord the whole time you feel that you are not justified this morning I want you to become aware of the work that he has done on your behalf if you're struggling in the area and you feel that you need to perform I want you to raise your hand where you are sitting if you are still performance based just want you to raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you still feel you need to earn, if you're not feeling holy at this stage, you feel convicted of sin. Something else is telling you, listen, you're not worthy of drawing close. I just want you to just stay where you sit, just to say, Lord, here am I. Here am I, Lord, use me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see he has seen the desire in your heart and the willingness to say, Lord, Jeremiah, use me. And the Father says, because you have set your heart apart and you have set it aside to say, Lord, I am willing to go and do whatever you call me to do. The Lord says he will honor you. I hear that the Lord is saying, my son, this will become a season where I deal in certain areas in your life that you've not felt me for quite some time. I give you the assurance that my hand will be upon you. And I hear the Lord say, so now I'm drawing you up to the high places. The places where people fear to tremble. The places where people are afraid to come close. 
when Moses made the invitation open and invited the congregation to come, they said, let you go. And you go and speak to God. Now here the Lord says that he has found a man in you that will come closer so that the Lord will be able to speak. So in this season, Father, I ask, Lord, that the manifestation of your word will be upon his heart. That there will be a desire. The Lord says he has placed nations within you. He's placed nations. I see you having a desire for all ethnicities. The Lord says, ask of me the nations and I will make it. And I will give it to you as an inheritance. So Father, I ask, Lord, that your word will be manifested. And the promise in this season will be surely there. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jonah, I've got a word for you. Can I say? Okay, so I see a tree that has fallen. And I see how the boards get cut out of the tree. And I see at first it doesn't make sense. It's, it, it gets dry, it goes through the whole process. And then I see the boards being, being worked. And I hear that the Lord is saying, I'm working boards in you in this season. I'm, I'm creating a peace that you have not had in your mind. What the eye has not seen, what the ear has not heard, or what has not sprung up into the, to the mind of man, that is what the Lord has in store for you. So I literally see how the Lord says in this season, He's taking and He's pre- preparing certain things so the process might feel prolonged. But I hear that the Lord is saying that I'm busy doing some things in the back that you're not even aware of. And I hear that the Lord is saying, I'm completing the good work that I've started within you. So there's still certain stuff what the Lord is just like. Then I see this perfect, usable, omnisimus, a usable board. And I see how the Lord is busy preparing and he's making furniture from it. And I hear that the Lord says, so my house will be decorated with many things that I will bring out of you. You had the ability to install. You've got the ability to place yourself in others. And because of that ability, many people will go back to their houses and they will furnish that houses with what I've done in you. So truth will become a greater revelation in many, many, many sons' hearts. So I hear that the Father says He's going to give you a generation. He'll father many people. And He'll give you the ability to strengthen the feet that are feeble in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord I just thank you Father thank you Lord for for this season the Lord says even now 
doing something so unique in your heart, your family's heart. Doing something so special in your minds. I'm going to give you guys testimony. I see as you go out to different regions that the gospel will be revealed in you and through you. You'll bring good news to many people. So I'll give you a heart for the broken. I'll give you a heart for the lost. I hear that the Lord says there's a lot of things, injustices that will be taken on in your day. You stand against it. The Lord will give you eyes and give you courage. He'll give you a boldness so that you'll be able to stand up against it and to call things what it is. So the Father says, I will not leave nor forsake you, but I'll give you a wisdom in this hour so that you'll be able to step up and step out. So know now that my hand is upon you, that I will use you greatly in this moment. I see how you speak to, to some directors. I see And the Lord says you're going to swing their hearts for the gospel. And you'll plant the seed. Many times you'll walk away feeling ineffective. And what you have said is no effect. But the Lord says I will work their hearts at night. And in the difficult hour of the night I will sit with them. And I will be with them. And I will show them. And only many, many years later you will hear of the effect of your faithfulness. And your willingness to stand up in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I gaan afsluit. Ek net een gedachte. Dan gaan ek vir ons vrouw net so'n bykie vir mekaar te bid. Um, ek het een woord wat sensitief is in my hart. En, um, since we entered this morning, I remember when I was 17, I, a girl fell pregnant and... Um, I impregnated a, a girl while she was still in school and she went for an abortion. And I, I could feel that same thing as we came in here this morning. That, and I feel the guilt that the Lord wants to remove from someone's heart. And I just feel that if you've ever, if you've come to a place or you've worked through something similar, let's just close our eyes. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the healer of the heart. I don't know, Lord, who it is. You've not revealed it to me. But Father, I want to ask, Lord, that you will that you will touch this person's heart. Thank you, Father, that you are restoring and that you are giving them far beyond what they could ever think or imagine. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's just with every head bow. Father, I come and I bless this congregation this morning. I ask for prophetic insight. I ask, Lord, that there will be a manifestation of your word upon them. That people will see and experience your goodness and your kindness in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, for now, Frau, um, Wees geblees. Weet jy van julle of julle. Ek voel net in my gees, ek, ek is so so lekker atmosfeer hier, so ek wil die, ek wil die meeting verdaag, sonder om om te verdaag. So ek weet als ons het wil rui, maar as die mense is wat net so bykie wil bid, if you need prayer, um, please come to the front, we want to pray, pray with you. I want to tell you guys, that myself and my wife is 
last week we, we gave over Broncos Pride in a sense that um, because we really feel that the Lord is calling us for the city now and we make, want to make our time available. If anyone needs to speak to us during the week, you can get our number uh, where we can minister to you, come and visit you, have coffee with you, dream with you, whatever we can do to walk together we would love to do that and we would love to come and pick up your hands um we stay far we've got a lot of children <laughs> so um it's not always possible for me to to get away from that beautiful girl at nine at night i've been in the city now a few times at two o'clock and three o'clock and four o'clock um, where i just felt where the lord said listen you come and do this and but we want to make our time available. If you want to see us, please invite us. Invite us for a coffee. Uh, if you want to invite us on a Sunday, we are available on Sundays after church. We can come and visit you. Daniel, John, I'm welcome to come and eat at your house. And Vessel, you may want to brood. Okay. So if, if you, anyone needs our time, we are here on Sundays. We are here during the week. So on, on Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesday, um, I'll just want to make our arrangements. But if we can come and serve or see you guys or attend or just weep with you guys, catch up with your hearts, hear what, what's going on in your hearts. We would love to serve you in any way that we can. And um, if anyone needs prayer or you need direction or you feel uncertain, please invite us. If you, the, with the cell groups, myself, Marie, and um, uh, my wife, and my brother-in-law, and for that, we, we are here to serve you guys in any fashion that we can. And if we can pick up your hands in anything, if I can't do it, and I, if you need a million bucks and I don't have it, I at least want to stand in the gap with you, okay? And I want to trust the Lord in this season for crazy breakthroughs. I, I, I can see that the Lord's going to do things. In this stage, I said to the Lord the other day, I want to I end well. Whatever I do, I want to I put people in a better position. So I'm trusting the Lord at the rehab to put them in a better position. But I've not withdrawn out of Broncos, right? So I told the guys the other day, now we're going to build. We're going to put up a building. We're going to trust the Lord in a season where we don't have the finances. I'm going to trust the Lord. We, the Lord's going to give us two, three, four million rand, whatever we need to build that building and conclude it so that we can leave them in a place where they can worship and experience God as never before. And then we're going to trust the Lord for our house. And we're going to put one up in, I don't know in what time we're going to do it, but I know that the Lord's going to do it. How do I know it? Because it's impossible for me. Amen? He always does the impossible. So I want to tell you guys, please... Um, we want to extend ourselves as family. I don't, I don't do church. I, I really don't do church. I don't want church congregants. I believe in church family. We are there to care, carry one another's burdens. I want to cry with you. I want to laugh with you. I want to celebrate you. I want to see your victories. I want to hear your great testimonies and your stories. And so I want you to be part of us. Um, when our baby girl drowned, it was in a time of covid I said to my wife, we've just, we've just jumped ship from one ministry. We've, I've been faithful in one ministry and we've left. The Lord's called us to go out of that ministry. And as we continued on our own, I said to her, as our baby girl drowned, I said, I've never felt so lonely in the body of Christ. And um, in a sense, I believe in family. I'm a family man. 
I believe in the principles. I honor, I honor my wife above any other thing I, I do in my life. She's my first ministry above my children. And then I've got the ministry here. But I really believe that the Lord wants to do something unique in our day and time. And I want to include you and say, please invite us. We want to participate in whatever the Lord is doing in your life as well. Is that good? Let's just all stand and I just want to pray for you. Father, thank you, Lord, for, thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your loving kindness and your great, great heart towards us. Father, I want to bless this congregation this morning. Everyone, Lord, who came in with an expectancy, I ask, Lord, that they will go out impregnated with your spirit. Father, as you met the virgin girl with a pure heart, come and meet their hearts and impregnate them with promise. Place in them the ability to bring forth. And Father, I want to ask, Lord, that there will be expansion on them because they have realized who you are. And it's not for their own glory, but it's for yours. Thank you, Lord, that you are excelling them in this season and that they can have an expectancy of your great, great mercy and your loving kindness. I want to bless these people, Lord, with understanding and that they will draw close to you in, in knowing that you have saved them, that they will understand what redemption is, that they will understand that they've been justified, that they will walk this road of sanctification, what, what you complete within them. And may they experience, as you bring them to this point, where there will be such a glorification in their spirit and even in their physical bodies. May there be manifestations in their houses of breakthrough because they trusted in the one who is, was, and will be. The one who hasn't failed us this far. In Jesus' mighty name.